All right, well, let's pray together, and then we'll look at some things from Scripture. Father, thank you that we have the chance to be together tonight, and I, I do pray, uh, as Nathan prayed a little earlier, that our uh, focus would indeed be around your word and on your word and what it uh, has for us, and we are so grateful that uh, we, we really have nothing better to look at. We don't have anything um, that we could somehow come up with that would be more beneficial than what your word has to say. So I just pray that as we look at it, you'll make it clear to us and, and that you'll teach us from it tonight. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, second book in the New Testament. And we're going to be in chapter 5 tonight. This is a little bit of a, I guess you'd say, a transition type message. Um, most of you would, would remember that in the uh, for about four weeks in September, we talked about the um, theme of worship, the idea of worship. We become like what we worship was, was what we talked about from Scripture. Um, the transition is that, that the topic for tonight and really for, for next week as well uh, is very closely related to this idea of worship. I think Grant next week is probably going to talk about how very closely the two are connected. But tonight, we want to continue what was the main emphasis in our church, especially last week, and that is this, this idea of missions. When, when you and I think about worship, probably we think about it in terms of, well, let's do it this way. I would rather hear from you. When you think of worship, how would you, how would you define worship? What is worship? Anything from, from our study that maybe helped to clarify? Or just any, any, any way you think that we should explain what it is? What is worship? Okay, Nathan? Praising it, like making it your center, like whatever you do goes to that. Very good, very good. So giving praise to something or, or giving uh, any sort of reverence at all to whatever the main thing in your life is, right? Very good. Anybody want to add to that? Okay. Worship is, is, I would say it's a type of response, okay? It's something you and I do in response to something that we see or know about or experience, so, so you and I don't normally just uh, spontaneously worship something. We worship something as a response to something we've been exposed to. So worship is something we do because we've seen or heard or experienced something else done. Right? Some, someone else has done something and we worship because of that. Right? Um, the Cardinals get eliminated from the playoffs and we all celebrate... The cardinal, okay. We, so that happened, and we respond to it in celebration, right? Deanna wants to know who the cardinals are. Um, that's a that's a very important sermon that I will preach one day, uh, but not today. It's just think about Satan, and and that's uh, close enough for now. It's basically kind of like that. Um, <laughs> missions. Um, I would say, is also a response. So I think normally when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about sharing the gospel, we think, well, I have to, 
I have to do something. I have to muster up enough courage or I have to uh, come up with something creative to say or to share with someone. Now, you certainly do have to be active in evangelism, right? We, we learned a lot about that Sunday morning. You, you must speak words. You must engage people, okay? But missions or evangelism is also a response. We, we are primarily, when we share the gospel with other people, we're doing it not because we have something to say that we've made up, but we're doing it because of what God has done for us. When we share the gospel, we are also doing it because, primarily because of what God has done for us. So that's what I want us to see here from Mark 5 uh, tonight. We're going to look at the first 20 verses, and, and there are four uh, elements to what God has done for us here in Mark 5. And, and as we think about missions, we're going to think about these, these, four, um, these four truths, these four elements, and, and talk about how when we share the gospel, we're doing it in response to them, okay? So here are these four things we see in Mark 5. Uh, number one, we see the powerful extent of God's authority in Christ. All right, that's kind of a mouthful, but we're talking mainly about the greatness of God's power in Jesus, okay? Look at, look at verse 1, and uh, we're going to kind of get some background here to, to what Jesus has done to show us his authority. Verse 1 in chapter 5 says that they, the disciples and Jesus, came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. <coughs> Excuse me. All right? Uh, to appreciate how they got to the other side of the sea, we need to understand what just happened in verse, or I mean in chapter 4. So flip back to Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. We read that Jesus began to teach where? Beside the sea. All right? He's beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, also beside the sea, so that he got into a boat and sat in it where? On the sea. So like he's on the seashore. The crowds are probably pushing him uh, so heavily that he had to get into the water, but he didn't just stand on the water. He got on a boat in the water. And it says there in verse 1 that, that the whole crowd was where? Beside the sea on the land. So the sea is prominent here. So he, he does all his teaching, and then you go down to verse 35, and he finishes teaching. And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across where? To the other side. So implied the other side of the of the sea, right? Well, sure enough, they go across, and what, what comes about, if you know the story? A great storm. That seems to be hindering their ability to get to the other side of the sea. And yet, in verse 39, we read that he awoke, he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased, there was a great calm. Uh, verse 41 says that they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? All right. We have there, I think, just the fact that Jesus made it to the other side of the sea with these disciples, a glimpse of God's power in Christ. How far does it extend? Well, your notes, he has power. His power extends over all places. God's power in Christ extends over all places. So for, for Jesus to be able to speak to created things, to, to, to waters and wind, and for them to obey him sh shows us something of his power, doesn't it? But it doesn't just have 
power over all places. He also has power over all peoples. When Mark 5.1 talks about, uh, mentions the country of the Gerasenes, this is a predominantly Gentile region, meaning that most of these people would have been foreigners to Jesus and his disciples because they were Jews. This is not like their home turf. And yet what Jesus is about to do among these people shows he's not just a God of a certain group of people. His power is over all peoples. That's the powerful extent of God's authority in Christ. That's the first reality uh, we need to come to grips with when thinking about missions, is that, is that wherever you and I go, God has power over that place. You or I may not, but God does. He owns it all. Here's the second element that we see. We see the perilous effects of sin. The perilous effects of sin. Because as soon as they get to the other side, look at verse 2. When Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself, cutting himself with stones. Okay, when you read that description about this guy, what does, what does that make you think about him? How would you describe this guy? Rebellious, okay. He's, he's possessed. Yeah. He is. He's, possess, he's possessed by demons, right? Unclean spirit. What'd you say? He's like, he's, he's mental, right? He's totally crazy. He's a maniac. That's exactly right. Okay. Huh? Pretty strong. He's pretty strong. Uh, he apparently has some superhuman strength here. I do not want to go near him. Right. I, I want to keep my distance. Jesus, we should have stayed on the other side of the sea where people just sat still and listened to us, yeah. right? Um, th- but this is the guy they come across. And, it, and I think all those descriptions are, are accurate. Um, we probably think, you probably would think something to yourself like, not only would I not want to be around this guy, but I wouldn't want to be that guy, mm. right? But, here, but here's, here's the reality. All of us are this guy, okay? All of us are this guy. Um, these descriptions about where he lives, where does he live? Among the tombs, right? Who lives in tombs? Nobody, because you can't, you don't live in a tomb, all right? If you're in a tomb, you're dead. That's a trick question, all right? There's dead people in tombs. Um, if, if you're among the tombs, you're among the dead, uh, the, the spirit that he's, that he's possessed with is an unclean spirit. He, uh, he, was, he was worthless to the point of we just should tie him up with chains, okay? Um, he, he did everything he could to break free from these chains. He's in pain. He's in torment. He's harming himself. Uh, he's crying out, okay? All of these descriptions can, be, can actually be said of all sinners, uh, before we come to Christ, we are, we are, it is as though we are among the tombs. The Bible says you and I are spiritually dead apart from Christ. Uh, the Bible says that you and I, apart from Christ, are unclean. Uh, we, are, we are all possessed uh, with, with uh, an unclean spirit of source. Not necessarily demonic, but we are unclean. All of us, apart from Christ, are bound 
and chained and in bondage to sin. All of us apart from Christ. Um, Every single one of us apart from Christ tries to break free from those chains under our own strength. And yet all it does is bind us again to our sins, right? All of us cry out for some kind of rescue from sins from somewhere. We're looking for help whether we realize it or not. And all of us in doing so are just harming ourselves the same way this guy is just cutting himself with stones thinking that he'll get some relief from it, okay? So these perilous effects of sin do not just affect the crazies among us. This is true of all people who do not know Jesus. These are the perilous effects of sin. And if you and I are going to attempt to involve ourselves in the work of Christ, uh, it, is, it, 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 it is necessary for us to recognize that this describes us apart from Christ and, and that we also will and should encounter people who are far from Christ like this man is and like we were. Those are the perilous effects of sin. But look at the third element. The third element here is the personal encounter with Jesus. So look at verse 6, this man's encounter with Jesus. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to the man, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion. For we are many. Legion was a description of of a um, cohort of soldiers, usually thousands of soldiers. So so probably this man was possessed with thousands of of demons, which would make sense for what we're about to read. Verse 10 says uh, that the man begged Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the country. There was a great herd of pigs feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000. So again, that gives you an idea of how many demons are involved here. Rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. All right. Notice what's involved in this man's encounter with Jesus. Uh, First, we see who Jesus is. So in verse verse 7, the man approaches Jesus and who's the first one to speak? The demons. The demons, or, or the man, right? The, the, the demons through the man, probably. And, and what do they ask? What have you to do with me, Jesus? And then what do they call him? Son of the... That's interesting. Son of the most... So is that an accurate statement of who Jesus is? It is, right? So these demons acknowledge something of who Jesus is. They're aware of it. This, would, this is very similar to actually a, another encounter... In Mark 1, if we had time, we'd look back at it, uh, where also they are confronted with him and they say, look, we know who you are and we know you have power to get rid of us, but don't do that yet. Like, isn't it, isn't it a little early for that? Uh, what have you to do with us now, Jesus, you son of the most high God? Do not torment us, they want to know. But then notice also what Jesus says. What, what, is, what does he command uh, the demons to do? To, to come out of the man, right? To leave the man. So it is by the words of Jesus, it's simply by Jesus talking, saying words, speaking salvation, you could say, into this guy's life, 
that he is rescued from his demon-possessed state simply just by what he says, uh, by, by saying, come out of the man. And then, what can he do? He not only can tell the demons uh, where to come out of, but he can also tell them where to go. And so he sends them into the pigs. Uh, there are lots of um, uh, questions you know, that people always ask about, like, why the pigs? What did they do wrong? You know, wouldn't this actually be Jesus um, being like merciless to people who maybe needed the pigs or even to the pigs themselves? I, I think that's not the point of the story, okay? Uh, I think the point of the story is simply to show that Jesus is more powerful than these demons, and he's more powerful than people who are possessed by demons. Now, apparently, this man not just was physically restored, but I think he was also spiritually restored because of, we're, of what we're going to see at the end here. So the fourth element to all this are the public endorsements of the people. Many of the people rejected Jesus. Many rejected. Look at verse 14. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You can imagine that this guy probably had somewhat of a reputation, right? Uh, the town crazy person is now sitting normally, uh, dressed the right way. Luke actually said that, that he just went around naked, so the fact that he's wearing anything is a huge improvement. And he's in his right mind, like he's intelligible. Uh, and verse 16 says, And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And so here's what they do. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. A little bit, right? A little ironic. Did they have... Did they have a right testimony of who Jesus was? Like, did they, did they hear correctly about who Jesus was and what he had done? They did, right? But what did they do with that, with that news? They rejected They were afraid of it, right? They were uncomfortable with it. And they, and they said, uh, we need you to leave. This is our territory. Uh, what you've done, we're, we don't care for it. Get out. But one responded. One responded, and it was that man. Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who... This is kind of a side note, but he's getting into the boat, which, mean, which means he's going to go back um, across the sea, which apparently means that the only reason Jesus came to the other side of the sea was to have this one encounter. Yeah. Like Jesus knew that he needed to have this. So he's getting back into the boat. He's departing from their region. Um, and verse 18, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him, same word, uh, the others begged Jesus to depart. He begged him that he might be with him. You'd think this guy's really ambitious, right? It's almost like this man is saying, Jesus, let me follow you wherever you go. Let me, let me go into other foreign places. It's almost like this guy is saying, let me be a missionary wherever in the world you want me to be. Now, would you, would you think that Jesus would say to the man, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Come on board. You would think that, right? But look, verse 19. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends 
and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So again, that's pretty clear evidence that, he, that this is not just a physical rescue, this is a spiritual rescue, the mercy of the Lord. In verse 20, he went away, began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So, so maybe, maybe you think about missions and you're like, um, okay, to be a missionary, I've got I've to be willing or I've got to uh, be open to going anywhere in the world. All right, I would advise that. But I think this is a pretty clear statement that sometimes Jesus tells people, you will be most effective if you just go to your hometown. If you're just among the people who know you best and, and, and just tell them what the Lord has done for you. Again, we heard a lot about this Sunday morning. Sharing the gospel is often less about the theological getting it right, and it's more about, let me tell you all that God has done for me. Let me tell you how the Lord has had mercy on me. That's all Jesus told this guy to do. Stay home among your friends and family who know you best and tell them the great things that God has done for you. And, and apparently, apparently, uh, it, was, it was effective because... Uh, in Mark 7:31, Jesus comes back to that region, comes back to the Decapolis, and crowds of people gathered to hear him, probably because this man had done exactly what Jesus had told him to do. He had said, this is what the Lord has done for me, so that when Jesus came back into the region, they came to hear Jesus saying, we heard about what you've done. They were more receptive the second time because of this man's testimony, is what it seems. So, I, I hope that, it, that as you heard from missionaries last week, uh, as you think about how to serve the Lord best with your life in the future, I hope, I hope the thought of going across the globe doesn't frighten you, but I also want you to see from Scripture that, that Jesus is very much okay with you going to your home and telling your friends and family all the things that the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Because he's done that for all of us and we can do that for him in response. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for the reminder that even us sharing the gospel with folks is is really just a response to all that you have done for us. You have displayed your great power and authority. You have shown mercy on us even when we were dead in sins and chained and bound and in bondage to sin, even when we were far from you, even when we never would have turned to you on our own. You have shown your kindness and mercy to us, and you have rescued us, and you have delivered us. And... and simply in an obedient response we want to be able to tell of your works to other people lord you give us opportunities to do that regularly help us to recognize them and take advantage of them uh and and to recognize that even in having those simple conversations that's a part of of what you've called us to do and it's a part of what we think of as the great work that's going on around the world Uh, so thank you for letting us be involved in it in jesus name amen